Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Inside the Birds is back. Jeff Mosher, Adam Kaplan, former Eagle Billy Osborne, usual suspects. Fellas, uh, good to see you again. Last week we had an opportunity to kind of put a bow on the Eagles season, their you know playoff loss to New Orleans. And th- this, this episode I think is important for us because I want to kind of move this thing forward. A lot of people are very excited about the offseason and not just about your typical questions like who do the Eagles look at in the draft or free agency, but I want us to be able to kind of address what the first month, few weeks of an offseason are like for a franchise because there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that people don't know. Ozzy, you worked in the front office, so we'll talk a little bit about how a team kind of summarizes the year and what they need to do to go forward and how they prioritize. And Adam, you just came back from several, you know, the, the bowl circuit, we'll call it. And I know that you spoke to a lot of people and got some information on how people are viewing the Eagles right now. So we're going to do all that. But before we even get to that, I think we'd be remiss as a podcast, we've been doing this all year, if we didn't talk a little bit uh, about the big story that came out in Philly Voice involving Carson Wentz, the unnamed sources. He's selfish. He's hard-headed. He was bad for the offense. I mean, there were a lot of different verbs and adjectives used in there. Ozzy, I know you had a chance to talk to Joe Santaliquito, who wrote the article from Philly Voice. But um, before I even get to that discussion, Adam, while you were away, this story came out. So, A, I wanted to know not only your, your take on it, <laughs> because I think it's important that we reiterate that some of the things that were sh- – the light that was shed on that story about Carson being hard-headed or having his own kind of view on things. We've brought that up in this podcast before, and you mentioned, and I I credit you for this, you know, as a rookie, him kind of head-butting heads with with DiFilippo, which a lot of people didn't realize. Well, what I said was, and I I put this out to you privately, because you, you, when we did with the pilot podcast in the spring, was it like June or something? Mm -hmm. I said two things. Let's see how this team handles success. Right. And I would say they didn't handle it very well, because I thought... Just the, their mindset of celebrating to June, I thought that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. 
And they didn't have the urgency, as Lane Johnson told us, after one of the games. So, But when it comes down to the coaching staff, and we, we, we've everyone's talked about Frank Reich and Filippo being gone. I thought that would be an issue. But what I said was that Press Taylor, who the Eagles absolutely love, mm-hmm. this is the first time he's running a quarterback room on his own. He's never done that before in his career. He's in his early 30s. You have, according to multiple sources, a major type A quarterback. We're talking about a personality of a guy in Carson Wentz who, I mean, this is a guy that he has his own way of doing things, and he did that when he came in, Jeff. So Mm -hmm. he had to be told, like, look, this is the way we're doing it. We're going to explain why we're doing it. And Reich and Filippo did it, according to multiple sources I talked to about this. Mm -hmm. And he had to be told that, hey, you know what? Okay. This is the National Football League. This is not one DAA where I'm in a pro style offense and I could I could be the man. You're no longer the man anymore. You got to prove that you're the man. Right. They're drafting you, drafting you two to be the man. So spinning it forward, I other than Carson's injury, clearly was not himself. Uh, we don't because we're not there in the in you know in the coaching world. We don't know how he's being coached. Uh-huh. But I do know that he needed to be coached kind of hard last year because he came in thinking thinking a. Entitlement's a little bit strong of a word, but mm-hmm. he was a little bit headstrong. Stubborn, I thought, was sort of. I thought. Th- I think in ways, in ways, mm-hmm. it was fair to car- characterize Carson like that. But the problem is, I don't think people have the right story. Again, according to multiple sources, Carson came in, kind of thinking he could do things his way a little bit, and he right. was told that's not going to work. Right. That was it. And I've talked about this a lot. I talked about the, a lot about this in, in uh, the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, when Carson was approached to change his mechanics, he was resistant, didn't want to do it, but they showed him, the coaches did, hey, this is what we're doing, this is why we're doing it. Then he changed his mind, and boy, did that work. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm curious yeah. what the view from afar was while you were on, on the bull circuit yeah. that this thing came out. Did you talk to people either in or around the team or yes. league and, and what their kind of feeling yes. on that was? So, so um, someone, someone who does not work for the team, who works for another team said to me, he goes, by the way, this is a team that was really looking at the that Wentz in the 16 draft, said, everyone knows how this guy is. Uh-huh. It, ultra competitive, stands up for what he believes in, has ways that he's doing things. Not a surprise that coaches had to get after him a little bit as a, as a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. Not so much in year two, obviously. Certainly in year one, not a surprise. And my whole issue with this article is if you're gonna if you're gonna say the guy's this or that, you better talk to the coaches. I couldn't write a piece like this on or off the record with coaches because they're the ones who are coaching him. Mm-hmm. Sure, his teammates are in the locker room every day, but the ones who are teaching him, I got to know how he's being taught. Did he ever mouth off to him? Was he disrespectful? Well, guess what? If you're gonna say the guy's this or that, you better have them. You better get some good intel from coaching sources. Yeah, and uh, you know when I. When I put this stuff out on our podcast exclusively for us, I told it like it is. I said, this is what I'm told by people mm-hmm. who would know, people who uh, inside and overcare. And I was like, okay. He's a, he's a typical, as one person told me at the Senior Bowl this week, he's your typical star quarterback. Every once in a while, he's going to challenge his coaches. Okay, so what? Bill, Bill played. He yeah. knows this. Uh, what quarterbacks, Bill, did you play with at Pitt? I played with, I was right at the Marino, so I played with John Kinjemi, Darnell Dickerson, and then Alex Van Pelt was the redshirt uh, freshman when I was there. So I'm sure you, you know, had teammates who might not have even been quarterbacks, though, who were star teammates that, that probably challenged coaches at times. Oh, of course, absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of big personalities, because you got to remember, when you go and you play at the Division One level, 
you're the best of your best from your town, so you're used to being the, the main guy. So you're used to getting all that stuff. So, you know, like when That's I exactly went there, it. right? When I went, when I went there, you know, I, I, one thing that was amazed me, like you know, I, there's everybody's first team, everything, first team county. For you're the one that's always the guy that's going to be asked to make the big play or to shoot the shot at the last second for the basketball or get the big hit or strike the guy out. And then when you come together at a Division One level. Everybody is that guy. So then, how do you, you know, it's intertwine? A lot of to exactly. So, Speaking so, of, I mean, yeah. you were a star at Wildwood High School, which has about you know what three hundred people. So you were probably king around there. Right? You, you told the coaches how it was, didn't you? Oh, of course. You know that's why. You know <laughs> and that's why it was funny because uh, you know, and we're we'll talk, we'll get into this too. But you know, that's why I was most proud that when I played in these All Star games. Uh huh. And I was picked as the MVP in the All-Star Games or picked as the starter or the captain. I always felt kind of proud because I came from such a small school. That's right. And it kind of, uh, I'll never forget Joe Moore, uh, who was the old offensive line coach from Pitt. And some say he may be one of the top offensive line coaches of all time. There's actually an award named after Coach Moore now as Mm -hmm. the top offensive line group in the nation for college. I'll never forget he brought me down to the office and he's like, hey, I just watched your film. I just want to let you know we're going to, I'm offering you a scholarship. I said, really, Coach? I said, it's really nice. I said, you know, don't you have to ask the head coach? He goes, nope. I've been doing this a long time. You got a scholarship offer. So it's just kind of funny how, depending on who it is and when it is or what your relationship is, how right. you get the scholarship offered. But, um, yes, I was at a very small uh, group one school that won, I think, maybe six games under – the tutelage of me as the quarterback. Well, there you go. That yes. says a lot about your QB skills. Yes. No, uh, <laughs> you, you had a chance to talk to Joe Santa Laquita, who wrote the article for Philly Voice about Carson yep. Wentz. What was your takeaway from talking to Joe about it? And well, then give me your just personal takeaway as a player. How do you, how do you overcome a hit piece like that? Well, I guess the first thing, and, and you know, be, just be as brief as possible. Uh, my first thought was, man, this is I, I don't know. Like that was my first thought, and I was like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. Like I just didn't. However, Joe wrote a story on me. He's wrote, a, wrote two of them. And um, I know Pulitzers, him. Pulitzers, I'm sure, right? Oh, they were Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> well, because of the subject matter, of course. Of course. Um, and uh, he, he, you know, this is what he did. He cared so much in his story about me and what he was doing about vices. He actually gave us final edit. Now, not many people do that. Like wow. he said, I want to make sure that my story and what I'm saying is correct, mm-hmm. so much so that I want you to see the story before I go to print, if this is okay with you guys. Right. So if that gives you just a little bit of thought process about Joe and what he thinks. Now, being man, careful and meticulous as yes. far as that. So because my first thought was, but when I didn't know it was Joe, I thought this is BS. This mm-hmm. is, you know, this can't be. So that was my first thought. When I then read the article, you know, yes, I, I was surprised and I think that you know, there is some things that have already been said that's, that was nothing new. I mean, we've, we've even said a lot of this stuff on our show. So it wasn't like it was some new. I think that the timing was interesting. And when I did ask him, I said, you know, what, you know, what did you, he goes, Billy, be honest with you. I could have went with the story in November and December. Mm-hmm. He said, I didn't do it because I didn't want to disrupt the team during the season because I felt that there may be some backlash on this. So that's what he did say. So, I mean, I guess as a, as a, as a, as a, person who writes stories and people who cover teams, your job is really to report what you find out in the news, right. not to take a side and not do something. But he at least thought about that. So now your last point about how it affects the locker room. More so Carson, because I guess my concern for Carson is he was already pressing. We all saw it. We all talked about it, right? He was already pressing for a number of reasons. One, from the injury to get back to, to top form, MVP form. And two, because his backup won a Super Bowl. 
So he was already pressing for that, and we've talked about his competitive thirst, his desire. When you have a story like this, it can only make him go one of two ways. One, he could just be easily dismiss it, or based on what we just saw last year, this could be on his shoulder and make him press continue, you know, going into next year. Now this is what some people think of me, or I've got to deal with the public thinking this about me. If you, if you, you as a competitor, Billy, with when something like that comes out, and I, I know you're not Carson. But how do you? What kind of impact do you think this will have on Carson? Well, my first thought, even before this came out, was that he has he had a little bit of a burden on his shoulders to begin with, you mm-hmm. know, because of the way it end, oh, has ended up and with the way Nick played and just the whole, just the whole, you know, underlying current. And you know, thinking about this, you know, this story started by Joe asking about the offense at the time, like, you know, how come it wasn't going well? Is it because of go? You mm-hmm. know, was it something that he was doing? And what his feedback was, was no, it wasn't really the coaches. It was Carson who they these people felt was maybe hurting them at the time. Interesting point, because a lot of people felt that the writer went out there with the objective of doing a hit piece on Carson. That's so what, what I want to make sure. Is it was more about the offense, and then it developed into, well, here's what's the correct. underlying issue. And I know this is important, because I and I, you know, we were talking about this off the air, too, and you know, and I this this is not, not my personal opinion or anything like that. I will give you that. But uh-huh. <clears throat> as far as what the story was about... He, my, what he told me was that I did not have anything to do with Carson. I was not going out there. It kind of, kind of fell on my lap when I was asking why the offense wasn't playing well. Mm-hmm. And their opinion that he got back was that sometimes they felt that the offense was sputtering. And Adam has already said this a couple of times was because Carson was changing the play. Mm-hmm. I didn't and, say anything. What are you talking about? No, no, no. That. We were talking about sometimes that the offense was sputtering because we heard, we heard that. Um, Coach, when he said stuff in front of the, uh, in front of the, the I guess you say the media, he said sometimes Carson was pressing and he wasn't, you know, letting the game come to him. Yeah, you know, it's and funny. We, we and noticed, I don't know why Peterson yeah. denied that, guys. I, right. I, we all know that. You, you said it. Yep. You, you've mentioned a couple times. There's no question that Wentz was pressing. He was trying to do too much. Let the game, as, Joe, uh, as Billy just said, come to him. But he, he physically wasn't healthy. I, I have no problem with Joe writing that piece. Is it just his injuries or was he not as good? It's fair to bring that up. I mean, it's, it's fair game. The guy was clearly not as good. But I, I think clearly um, when you miss, as we talked about before the season started, when you miss so much time, I don't care if he was limited in the offseason, you're not taking first-team reps. Now he's going to get all of them in April. He'll be fine, I'm told, by multiple sources. He'll be great by April. So he, the pressure will be on, though. Yeah. And that's kind of what you were saying to uh, Bill right now. Yeah, and you know, one thing I brought up after the Minnesota game, and this kind of parlays into the story. The Minnesota game, if you remember, started they started off slow, as they had done a lot during the middle of the season. The first play of the game, it's amazing. I have complete total recall of us talking about this on the podcast after that game. The first play of that game was an RPO. And if you remember, Carson pulled the ball out, I believe, of Corey Clements' midsection and threw a ball to Alshon Jeffrey, who had who was not even close to being open on that RPO? They were playing a press coverage. Trey, I think it was Trey Waynes who had him. He he wound up breaking up the pass. But you, if you if you counted the box, there were only five Vikings in the box, and there was a tight end in line. So that gave the Eagles six blockers. So the math said run there. Carson threw it. All right. So that was an interest. That was a bad decision. And again, it may have been from a guy who was trying to make a play. I think my my takeaway from reading the story was that. It drew a correlation, and I don't think necessarily a fair one, and I'm not putting this on Joe, this might be the players who complained, that Carson's struggles were related to him being 
not a team guy, being a selfish guy, when I think his struggles, and you and I, uh, Ozzy, we've all talked during the season about his struggles seemingly being a guy, of a man who was pressing and who was not playing within himself for a variety of reasons. Coming back from the injury, different defenses that he's seeing, not having a whole offseason. I don't look at Carson's struggles and the way he ran the offense as a guy who was just trying to put up stats and be Carson Wentz MVP. I think he's trying to win. He just had a, he, he a flawed is. viewpoint he, of how he was going to do it. He is very aggressive. As one team source said to me, you don't want to coach out of him, his aggressiveness. When he's rolling, Does he? is he going to go through one, two, three, four in terms of progressions? Yeah, because that's, that's the way he learned at North Dakota State. And sometimes he might throw it when he should really check to the run. Right. And how many times have we said on the show? He won't check down. He won't check down. Right. Was I wrong about that right. when I first started and, that? And, and that's yeah. not even, that's not, to me, a guy who's selfish. No, he it, wants to make the big play. It's selfish for the right, we're trying to make a play. Not, I don't yeah. want right. to throw to that guy because I have a, there my favorite yes. target is Zach Ertz, so right. I'm not going to throw to Wendell Smallwood in the flat. I don't think that's what, is, what goes through his mind. No, I agree with you. And it just to kind of, you know, so my perspective is it's a guy like this who, you know, he's worked his way back. And remember, the Eagles had a press conference after they lost and Nick didn't play well and said that Carson has now been cleared. So, th- you know, they cleared him. Mm-hmm. So as a teammate, if you're cleared and you don't practice and you don't play, you know, we've seen that happen. And people question your heart. They're like, you know, you didn't cleared. You should be out there. You know, we need you. Right. So Carson is just being Carson. He's a competitive guy. He wants to win. He wants to be out there. And, and that's just the way he is. So if he's not playing well or if he's not ready... That's on the training staff and the coaches to pull him out of it because anybody is going to try and go out there. So that's just the one point that I thought sure. as of my personal no, perspective. If he was cleared and he didn't play, I would be upset. It as would be the Kawhi was... Leonard San, San Antonio impact. Correct. I would matter? be upset everybody, about the that. The doctors are saying your quad is fine. Why aren't you out there? That, no, that makes a lot of sense. I want to I try to move it forward, though, and give some maybe perspective on this situation that maybe not everybody can do. So, Adam, I'll ask you this. Knowing what we know about Carson, that his best – year came obviously last year when he bought into the Frank Reich John DiFilippo way and knowing that neither of those two guys are walking through the door anytime soon do the Eagles need to make some kind of changes and they've already you know they don't have the same wide receivers coach they're going to be looking for another one but do they need somebody on their coaching staff with a little bit more gumption than a press Taylor somebody that can help bring Carson back the way Flippo and Reich did. I think it's fair, and I, again, I put this out in August. I said it, no one's talking about this, but at some point it's going to be a factor, and it mm-hmm. was. It was. Uh, I've been around coaches for 20 years. I kind of know. I'm not, I didn't never played football, but I know probably over 100 coaches. All in the NFL know a couple college guys, and they always say that you could be 33, 34 years old, but if you've been a position coach for five or six years running your own room, you're good. But if you've never run your own room, it's going to be a problem. And you've got to get. You have to have the command right. and the ability to get after your guys when it's not going as well. Are they listening? Are they improving? Are you harping on their technique? I, I can't answer this if they're doing it or not. But Wentz was just off. He just. You know, There's certain games. The Carolina game. He looked like he did last year before the injury. Other than the maybe a drive or two in the uh, fourth quarter, but he clearly was not himself. We don't know if Jeff was coaching or not. But what I do think, and you brought this point up. It would not be a bad thing if they had another veteran voice on their offense. They did not replace uh, those two coaches in terms of game planning because they didn't promote. They they promoted Press Taylor, but he's now you know he's the quarterbacks coach. He was assistant quarterbacks coach. Where are those two veteran minds, Reich, 
number one and DiFilippo number two, they don't they didn't replace those guys in terms of game planning. Right. So that's something you. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought of it and that I, way. And what made me but think, I think of it's it fair was just kind of scanning the the transaction wire lately, guys, and knowing that there are some pretty good offensive minds who have been in the league for a while who are actually unemployed right now. One of them being Scott Lanahan, who was just recently fired by the Cowboys. Marty Morningweg kind of became the the odd man out when the Ravens decided to go with Greg Roman for the offense they're now running with Lamar Jackson. And and, and sure, I'm sure there's some kind of knowledge of between Doug and Andy Reid and Marty. I'm not saying that. Either of those guys are getting in there, but I guess what I'm saying is there are some veteran minds out there that I'm not even thinking of that might be a good idea to bring into the team to kind of help with that reining in of Carson Wentz. Somebody yeah. with some some credentials. Obviously. Yes, and and I think so. And just to put my perspective on this, and then we can you know I'll answer any questions you want. But you know the one thing that I'll say as a as a player in regards to this whole thing is that. When you don't name your sources, you give. There's a lot of things that are going to be up there, right? And what you have to understand, and we understand this, and as players, number one, if you're the quarterback, you're always going to have the most focus. If you're making a lot of money, you're always going to have the most focus. Like like Fletcher Cox, you know, there's people have said stuff because of his contract. Sure. That's just the nature of the business. Right. When you are, um, you know, you know, basically the cover boy, you're going to get it. Also, he has very strong religious views, and depending on who you are, that can also. Um, bring out sure, strong there, there opinions. There was a line in that story that said he needs to quote practice what he preaches, right? Well, there so, you go. And so, that's, that to me was kind of a you know you you act like you're Mr. Religious Guy one minute, but here you're doing. And again, that could be an inaccurate statement or a bitter jealous that's, statement. That's, but that, that was that's, the that's statement. My, that's my yeah. point. So there's you're always going to have that. And then in this situation, as you guys just talked about earlier, depending on who it is, you know there was this undercurrent that he throws the ball too much to a certain receiver. Mm-hmm. So I'm a player, and I will tell you this: that when I went out. I still think that I was open. And, and right, I mean, that's just the way it is. I, I think I was open on every play. No, was I? No. But that's what you... I was open. Why didn't you throw me the ball? Or when I right. go home, my family saying, I saw you open. Why did they throw you the ball? You only got through... So that will happen. And when you lose, it bubbles up even more. So depending on how this whole thing is, that could also play into it. So the only thing I will say is if you're Carson and if you're the Eagles organization, you take all that into, you know... I guess you take all that into the the whole overview of the situation and understand that that just goes with the territory. Mm-hmm. Set your goals and move on. So, do, so to answer the question, though, the there is a fantastic way of looking at it. Do, do you think this coaching staff does need to bring in a veteran coach in veteran? some capacity? With some, it could be senior offensive assistant, but somebody to rein in Carson a little bit or get him back to the year before. Well, I, I don't think I think having uh, someone who is respected and has a good offensive mind would definitely help the situation mm-hmm. in here, just because of the um, the youthfulness of who is talking to him every day. Sure, it's almost like it's a it's almost like it's not necessarily a uh, uh, you know a guy. It's almost like a peer because they're the same age. So you want to have someone who has a lot of experience and has the respect. Sure, makes sense. So that to me is uh, Billy Osborne lobbying for the job, and uh, we'll we'll send his resume <laughs> Jeff, over to Jeff Lurie. Carson Wentz is only five years younger, I believe, than Press Taylor. I know Bill's on to something. It's a weird dynamic. Yeah, I I you know I've heard I've heard that they have a very good working relationship. They've developed a very close relationship in terms of working together, which mm-hmm. is fine, um, but. There's got like there's got to be someone who could who could get tough with him. Maybe he has. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But uh, just the stuff I've been hearing, just from people in Overcare, it wouldn't hurt to have another voice in. Maybe they're not looking for one. I have no idea. But I think Bill was onto something with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you brought up a good point. It would make some sense. And they 
they've got to be able to get they've got to be able to push Carson more. Not that he needs it, but there are times when even young superstar quarterbacks need someone to get in their stuff and say, "Hey, let's do it this way. Keep him on track." This is a problem in his rookie season where he came in a little bit. Hey, man. Hey, I played no it. You're gonna tell me, right? <laughs> not not quite like that, but hey, I, I know what I'm doing. Well, no, you don't. Right. And you're gonna get coached hard, and he did. Right. Well, the interesting thing is, if the Eagles do make that kind of move in a week or two or four or whatever, we can go back and say, hey, we talked, we, we predicted that on the Inside the Birds podcast. We felt it was uh, important. And you know what's interesting, and this is a uh, just to think about this when you're out there and you're in the heat of the battle and you have been successful your whole life doing something, mm-hmm. and somebody tells you, "We'll do it this way." It's depending on who you are, it's very difficult for you to accept feedback to change something you've been doing if that person has never been in your situation. So it's like, it's like, you know, I'm going to stay away from the religious thing, but it's like somebody giving opinion about relationships and they've never been in a relationship. Uh So unless they, you know, or if somebody talking about being a broadcaster, and they've never been on the air, they've never been on the TV, how can they tell you what to do in a broadcaster if they've been spending their whole day driving trucks all day? Right. You know, that's what their career was. Right. That's so why if you've never been a quarterback... with credentials. To your point, exactly. So right. to your point, it may work for Carson because if you haven't played and you've been really successful like Carson has and they're going to tell you, hey, on third and 10 when you're running a dig route, think about doing the free safety. He could think to himself... When have you ever stepped up in the pocket with three hundred pound guys coming at me, and that's what you want me to do? How you've never done that? Oh, so so, so you mean in terms of bringing a senior assistant yeah, in? If like, they're like gonna, the guy that has, you need to have a yeah. probably quarterback, a guy who's coached quarterbacks. Well, that was the beauty of, of yeah. the first two years is that you know whether he whether he wanted to take the coaching or not, he knew that three guys above him. DeFilippo, Reich, and Peterson all played the position. Tell so you he what, can say what he wants. That might be the but, quarter. That might be the coach in Camelot. Yeah, especially in this town. I don't. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Well, like that, why do you think Wentz was going to be the MVP? I, I totally agree with you. I don't I, know, I, I and, the and they love, I mean, they've it. talked to me privately about Press Taylor. They think the kid is brilliant. Yeah, but, but it's he's a, a kid. He's young. Yeah, yeah. It's, we'll exactly see what happens. It. By the way, it's totally shocked with all those examples you gave, the analogies that you gave, uh, Ozzy, that Chichi Rodriguez somehow didn't make it into that. That conversation, but we'll, we'll get to, we'll get him soon because Adam and I have some vodka that we're going to do a shot. We're waiting for your next Chichi Rodriguez. Hey then. Jeff, absolutely. Yes, Don't give up your day job. <laughs> yeah. All right, make sure you tip your bartenders and waitresses here in the comments. This is my day job, so uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I wanted to move forward now on on again evaluating the team as a whole. And Adam, you, when you were down the bull circuit, I know you had a chance to talk to people who are either in or around or observers of the Eagles about the season that they had, what they need, what worked well, what didn't. <laughs> and I'm sure there's kind of an overriding theme. I mean, from from coaching, from Doug to Jim Schwartz down, what, what was kind of some of the takeaways that you got about the Eagles season? Right, so from out the outside perspective, um, I would say that the, the, the view was that they probably overachieved based on all the injuries they had. Yeah. 14 players at one point will be in injured reserve. Coaching was f- fantastic. Despite what people think about Jim Schwartz, he did a very good job. Now, let me start with him. Yeah, uh, I've gathered a couple of opinions. Very interesting. I, I, I think a little bit of kind of what Bill was talking about. When you play the wide nine, it's a basic front. It's the, 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 there's a running joke that the, the ends play the run on their way to the quarterback. They don't really play the run. That's why the DBs have to c- tackle a little bit better. But very little pre-draft, uh, pre-snap movement. Very basic front. You're not giving the quarterback anything to think about. This is certainly what people criticize, mm-hmm. and this is what I think people would like to see, but Jim's not going to blitz very much, and even when he does, uh, not always successful, but I think overall, 
I think the the view outside the team from talking to a lot of people at the Senior Bowl this week because we a lot of people know that I'm identified. Yeah, do I cover 32 teams? Yeah, but a lot of people identify me from a lot of the Eagles stuff over the years, and they think Doug is just a really good coach, which a lot of people got wrong, including yours truly. I didn't think he'd be a good coach. I mean, he's fantastic. I still would argue that he wouldn't be as good somewhere else, but that's another story for another time. Well, I totally said he was winning the Super Bowl by year two. But. Yeah, sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they did either, but uh, they think that. It, getting Wentz back to 100% will certainly help, but they also think it's a flawed roster that needs a lot of help, and that's probably where we're going to go here. Yeah, I think that's where this offseason for the team is critical because we, we outlined the previous show, contracts, uh-huh. which we'll, we'll probably hit again in the next show. Contracts are a challenge. Cap's a challenge. Health of the quarterback's a challenge, though. He's, he's going to be fine by OTAs. Then the Brandon Brooks thing shows up. You know that that was unfortunate uh, in the final game. So I think when you talk to people outside the team, they look at a team that that might be in transition. You know, Roseman said typically it's fifteen to twenty percent. Uh, how he said it in his press conference, that's about fifteen to twenty percent turnover. Uh-huh. I think it's going to be more. That's, yeah, real quick though, to yeah. go back to what you said about Schwartz, how is he viewed? I, I always wonder how people around the league view him. Pretty, and pretty I, I'm well. going to guess that it's well, well, but I'm yeah. also going to guess there's a, uh, is it fair to say mixed bag? Like some people more high, um, high and, and then the okay, other. Okay, I, I, I don't know the guy personally, so I'm just going to say something. So Schwartz or? It's about Schwartz. So there's yeah. a running joke about Jim Schwartz that Jim, you know, Jim thinks he's his, you know, he's, Jim loves him, Jim loves Jim. Yes. You know, basically, Jim's very confident in Jim, and, but I'll say this again. He's a really good football coach. Yeah. You could, I don't know the guy. You could say whatever you want about him. I don't he know what else. Be the he, first arrogant coach. In yeah, the NFL, he's he's you know? he comes off as uh, not a know-it-all, but he most coaches are very confident anyway. It's not a, it's not breaking news, correct? But I think um, does he rub some people the wrong way? Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's him. But he's it's just he's a very confident guy. He's the, not a bad guy. Uh, he's not a bad guy at all. He's just a guy that's a little bit cocky. But you know what? Most coaches are. Uh, they say about Peterson inside Novacare, Doug's got some swag. They said even. Doug's first year, they had swag. Right. Um, Di Filippo, they said, had a lot of swag, got a lot of juice, is that term. Right. N- not a surprise. No, no. So to answer all. your question, he's viewed pretty well, but um, I think that the wide nine, you know, there's a reason why no one really runs it. No one runs it other than the Eagles. I know talking to a couple coaches, they were running on third down a little bit. Right. Very small percentage with other teams, but there's a reason why people don't run it. They think it's archaic, and you know, there's a Jim Washburn front that he ran with Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why the teams, teams don't run it. Let me, Ozzy, uh, to get more on Schwartz, because you've been saying this all year long, and I, I think really watching how they played in December and then in New Orleans really crystallizes it for me, because I probably, I feel like I'm harsh on Jim when everybody's loving him and then when everybody's hating him like the New Orleans game I'm I'm saying as Adam just did the guy just did a pretty good job so I kind of cut against the grain but the one thing that you said earlier this year that I think is his biggest Achilles heel if he's not going to blitz a lot fine but when he does I feel like now I can identify what blitz he's going to throw in what situation. And if I can identify it just by watching tape and getting familiar with it, what are, what are the great quarterbacks and offensive coordinators in this league? And you've been saying this for a while. His deception needs work. If people can just know what blitz is coming in what situation, that's an issue. Yes, and it's interesting because you know the league is a copycat league, so you're always trying to figure out something to give an edge. And you watch the Chiefs' offense and the Rams' offense, and and you can just in the Saints, and you just see different things. Even when they, 
even when they ran, ran the ball, I think I was talking to you, like even when the, the Patriots ran the ball up the middle, they actually faked the handoff and then faked the pass to the outside, even though it was an underneath handoff out of shotgun. Correct. And all that stuff kept guys staying at home, and it also got your offensive lineman able to get an angle on their guy mm-hmm. and be able to wall him off. Just those little things. So, and, and the That's other true. Piece, I should say you've probably been harsh on both coaches for their lack of ingenuity at times. Yes, and, and that's why. And it's interesting, when I heard Seth Joyner rip Schwartz, and he basically blamed, and, and I felt like it was me talking to you guys about Coach Peterson, and I think it's because, you know, even though I played a lot of defense, I guess maybe I more identify with offense, right. and because I know that, that's I'm looking at the plays all the time, uh-huh. and I'm sharing stuff, and then I see Seth, and here I am, I'm thinking the defense did a pretty good job, and Seth is saying, you needed to do this, that call, and I was thought, wow, it's that's interesting, so that's perspective. Because I thought of you... From the opposite perspective. When I heard Seth say these comments on the postgame show, yeah. he called Schwartz the number one reason that they yes. lost. I know. That was preposterous. And all I could I think of was, was over in December when the Eagles started to run the ball better with Josh Adams, even when they had good games, Ozzy would come and call the lazy handoff from shotgun with no motion. Underneath it's like no matter him. what, <laughs> right, right, you were going to come down. Just like no matter what, Seth is going to come down on Jim. And Jay, you know, I love you know, Seth and I are friends. I just thought it was crazy to say that. Let's not forget the Eagles scored 30 points over the final two games okay uh-huh. Th- 15 points per game that ain't gonna cut it i know okay i know that's what i'm saying the defense yeah. did well but it's, if you I are agree. going to pick something out you're right that going into 2019 i think if he's going to be bottom three in blitzing again like he was this year i think they were the second fewest to kansas city and by the way bob sutton got fired in kansas city i think the uh, the art of deception has to be somebody's got here's here's what i'm going to ask you guys because jim as you just mentioned adam is not going to do it it's not going to change, so man. Does Doug, isn't that Doug's job as the head coach, as the one who presides over his coaches, to, to talk to Jim and say, look, I respect your no-blitz philosophy. You did a great job. But as an offensive mind, I know what blitz you're going to come with in certain situations. We need to be more creative. That The head coach has the prerogative to do he that. Had, by the way, I know for I know for fact he's – I don't, I couldn't tell you what game it was or what year it was. I know I'm talking to people with the Eagles – Doug has gotten his ear and, hey, let's go. Dial it up a little bit. Right. But he just goes back to what he does. Coaches don't change. Well, that's a good thing. And here's the the issue. Make sure he doesn't get lax in that. Right. And here's the issue. When you play, I want you guys just to visualize this. When you're playing a four-man rush and behind you, then your choices are play zone and then what type of zone or man. And then if you're playing man, are you bracketing or are you playing inside out? There's all these different techniques. You'll play quarters. But if your four guys don't get pressure, you're in a big quandary in the secondary. Right. Like because, there's no plan B. Right, because <laughs> you haven't disguised anything, and the quarterback knows it, so now he's just going to go through his progressions and just deliver the football where the pre-snapper he tells you. So if you, if you get pressure, everything's fine. If you don't, you mm-hmm. are in big trouble. And we saw what happened during the season, what happens when you don't get pressure. So that's why, at times, you do need to... You do need to mix it up. You do need to give some different pre-snap looks. Which it makes it almost a minor miracle with those backup cornerbacks <laughs> that they were able to hang in it. I call it yep. a major miracle, to be Yeah, honest. I mean, it's yeah. really, that's why, look, you, again, you could say, I guess I'm a Schwartz defender. I have been the whole season. I'm not saying it was always right. And no, see, I think we all are. But yeah. we also we, we need like to, them. I think we can point out flaws in, sure. in, in every great sure. defensive coordinator sure. is flawed. Sure, sure. So, so. Look, you asked me a couple minutes ago, hey, what do people in the league think? I mean, it's that they overachieved. Uh-huh. Um, but I think inside and overcare, uh, starting with Howie Roseman, Joe Douglas, and his group, 
they have a challenge on their hand to get younger. Uh, they've got major needs on both sides of the football. We mentioned Brandon Brooks. That was not uh, that was not one they thought they had a need for. Now That's they have him. He's maybe their best, most consistent lineman. Lane's their most talented one. Right. Um, but now they've they've got decisions on the defensive line. Uh, Secondary is another challenge. Linebackers another challenge. And then we'll see what. Although I think Jason Kelsey, Kelsey will be back. Nothing official. Right. God forbid he retires. <sighs> it shocks them. That would be. By the way, that would be very that surprising be based on what I've heard. Yeah. That would be a surprise. But if he does, I've heard the same. I've heard the same. Same. Well, not. I mean, I know they they've told me privately they think he took a big jump in the offseason when he had to play center. But they've got a lot of challenges here. I don't. I I, I think this is a very good football team. Everything about it's pretty good. But they're no guarantee based on all the challenges to be back next season. Like no, that. no. And, 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 that's, and that's, that's what I want to ask you, Oz, about. Going into an offseason, you work for the Chiefs as a scout, so you understand what it's like to sit in these meetings Mm -hmm. and evaluate everything that happened in the year before. And I have to imagine that part of that evaluation is kind of sifting through what was real and what was not real. For example, like players, especially if you're not in the top 10%, right? Their performances regress, progress, regress. They go back. You know, Josh Adams is great one game, not the next. Same thing with Wendell Smallwood. Uh, certain receivers. You know, other than your stars, you have a lot of players in there that are inconsistent throughout the year. So, how do you as a give me an idea of what these meetings are like and how you determine how you need to get better as a team? Uh, so you have been. Uh, putting grades and numbers on guys since they start being identified as a sophomore, basically. That's when you start looking at or even freshmen now. You're talking about college guys. College okay. guys, right. So this is how you get up to the seniors. Are you, do you, want, are you saying I, I how am I addressing my own? Before we got to that, about okay. how the in-house evaluations go. When you meet as a team and figure out what you need, it's based on what your team just did a lot. Correct. So, and I'm just—I guess what I'm trying to ask is how you differentiate between what's real and not real, because players are tend to be up and down throughout the course of a okay, year. Okay, so yes, yeah, so you you basically get together as a staff, and obviously you even have your offensive guys give you opinion about your defensive guys. That's mm-hmm. how you do it. So you want to get a a fresh set of eyes that you respect that are in the building. So you get guys that stop. Your scouts even give you opinions and grades on your own players. That happens all the time. We That's got to be important. It's like like you said, an unbiased, fresh set of eyes. Correct. Right? So we we actually put grades on our own players. Interesting. And we submit that, and then don't think that they don't challenge you That's on that. Ask, and you yeah. have to you have they really even if you're a young guy they challenge you. So even before the draft, you put your own grades together and you put your own depth chart together, and after the season. You all sit in the meeting room and go through all the stuff, and you enter all your stuff out there, and you talk about it, and you put a depth chart. And then you go through, here are the guys that we are definitely keeping, and here's our starters, here, and because of their contract or because of their ability. Mm-hmm. And, then here's, and then you also, by doing all this stuff, you come to a consensus, and everybody gives an opinion about what you feel your needs are. Mm-hmm. And then you sift through all that. The coordinators get together with the head coach and then the scouting director. So the scouts have their own meeting, and they talk about it with their director. They come to a consensus. The coaches have their own meeting. They have their consensus. And then together, you jointly meet. You talk about things, and then you separate out, and it's the director of scouting, the head coach, and usually the coordinators and the GM. That's how it goes out, and that's how you kind of find your your, your draft board, and then you put your needs together. And that's your own self-scout. I would love to sit in – I'm going to pick a random fran- – not a random – I'm going to pick a, an intentional franchise. I would love to sit in these meetings for the team like a Pittsburgh Steelers who just have a really good personnel staff every year from top to bottom. They seem to get rid of guys at the right time, even if they're young. right? You know, Santonio Holmes, and then he wound up getting in trouble. They, they are excellent to me at – 
finding and identifying their needs, finding the right type of free agents who they don't have to spend a lot of money on, drafting well. And from what I've heard, they're also that's an organization that allows you to express your opinion and fight it out without holding it against you. And where yep. in some organizations, if you're outspoken on something, you might be the black sheep of the organization. But yep. they're they're really excellent at that. And yeah, and and what you do is you you put a number uh-huh. on every one of your guys. That's what you do. And that's how you have a grading system. So whether it's a all pro, like we, the eight was the highest. Uh-huh. That was like an all pro hall of famer. And you worked your way back. So every player on that Eagles team after the season has an updated grade that they put on them. It's amazing. Yeah. And believe Humans me, that is, that, that, that is held in lock and key. You value, can than anybody yeah. in there. That was like value. me at Penn exactly. State. I was not a name. I was a, I was a, uh, um, a numerical code. You know, I had to go find my test. Yep. You know, 500 people in my class. I just look for my my uh, my social security number. Yep, and there and there are some serious battles out there too, because you know it's also how you how you value someone depending on if you're going to trade them and what you're going to get back. So there is, and then also depending on you may have a high grade on somebody, mm-hmm. but they may not fit your system. So they may be a good player, but not for your system. Like maybe for Jim Schwartz's wide nine, right? They may be a really good guy, but he does not fit to the system. So. We may want to get rid of him. We want to move his position, do something. So it's a, it's a, it's a, that's a fluid situation. And that help, that happens right, you know, at the end of the season, because then you have to address your needs and then you got to decide what you're going to hone in on right. for the scouts. All right, I want both of your opinions on this based on Adam, what Ozzy just said about a, 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 an evaluation done by a team on specific players and grades. And then you have to make a decision about whether or not the money also factors in. So there's one, I think the, the number one player, that has to come up in a conversation for them as far as what they just saw and moving forward is Jason Peters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got to be the number one, play, and especially what you just mentioned about the offensive line, which could have further movement, and we'll find out. What do you suspect happens with Jason Peters? Well, I could tell you this. Number two things, as far as he's concerned, number one, he wants to still play, I'm told. Mm-hmm. Number two, believe it or not, this is a, this is really surprising. I, don't, I doubt that anyone knows this unless someone did a, a feature on him. When he's done playing, he wants to get into personnel. Doesn't that surprise you? Wow, I've never heard that. I've never heard that about him. Yeah, I was kind of like, really? I don't know. That someone, uh, someone close to him told me this year, uh, this season. Uh, I was just checking on what what he was thinking when he's done playing, because I, I really don't know anything about the guy. I mean, I've covered him before, and I dealt with him a little bit when he was in Buffalo. But um, the problem that we have now with Jason Peters, uh-huh. at thirty seven years old, thirty eight years old, the guy, and we've talked about this repeatedly. He checks out of games. I mean. Uh, do you keep paying for that? You, the Eagles have to make a decision. He 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 just turned thirty-seven. Uh, actually, no, he turns thirty-seven technically on the twenty-second. Okay, with the oh no, he actually just turned thirty-seven. Okay, uh-huh. so he's now thirty-seven years old. It's amazing to play left tackle at thirty-seven. He's amazing, and, and, and he played very well this year, by the way. Not not elite, when but very played, good. I, thought, I agree with you. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what I was going to agree. Here's with Here's the question: So his cap number for the final year's deal, which is nineteen, is thirteen point one six six million. If you put his cap number against some of the hi- the highest guys, he's not top ten. He's somewhere in the, between like ten and fifteen. If if he had no injuries this season, he played through us. I would say he's coming back. I'm not touching his contract. Uh-huh. It's hard for me. You know, it's I mean, his base salary is nothing. Five point seven five million is great, but because of the extension and proration. It brings it all with everything yeah, that's been a, done to his contract. The overall cap will be over ten, right? Yeah, well, his cap numbers will be thirteen point one six six million. Right. I I probably wouldn't pay that. Um, but you don't have what 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 like. But that's the. All right, would it make sense? Yeah. And Oz, I'm going to ask you this based on yeah. evaluating a player. 
if he's amenable to it, would you move him to left guard? Now, you would have to then take Samalu and perhaps do something differently with him. Maybe he fills in at right guard until Brooks is ready to come back. It's not exactly how you drew it up, but is it worth having him at left guard? Well, here's what I would say. Or do you think he can play left tackle still? Yeah, I I looked at this team a lot toward the end of the season, and they were definitely better when Jason Peters was at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that there's just no there's no denying that. So if he is healthy and he wants to come back, my own personal opinion, unless you have someone who is better, because they are you know they they could make another run at this playoffs right now this year. I say you keep him there. Or, and, and if you want to try and move him inside, you can do you have plenty of reps and OTAs and see if he wants to do it and can do it. And you want to try and rework his contract. I think he is a guy you, you, who is reasonable. And because he's at the end of his career, he knows that you're not going to go on the street and be a personnel scout and make $10 million. It's not going to happen. Right. So if you're thinking about financial for your family, I think that he's a headsy guy. I think that the Eagles are better with him. And I think that he would be willing to potentially either move inside or think about it and rework his contract. And if he does all those things, I think it's a no-brainer you bring him back. So my take is that if you're going to bring him back, then he has to play left guard. I feel like with what they've got at left tackle being a little bit question markish in that they don't know what they have in Jordan Mailata yet. They love him. They should give him the opportunity to compete for the job. But when I watch Big V play, I always feel like he plays better when he has been the number one guy all week in practice, as opposed to when he gets thrown into the fire. He always seems to struggle when Peters comes out and Big V has to come in. And so that's going to happen time and time again next year if you bring Peters back and five, six, seven snaps into a game, he's got to check out. So some of the scouting, a lot of scouting, you guys would both have to agree, involves foresight. You have to know when it's time to cut the cord and when the value isn't matching the dollars or the durability isn't. And, you know, we talked about this with the Phillies years ago. Like, when's Ruben Amaro finally going to trade Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley and guys like that before they just break down Ryan Howard? Uh, the signs are there. The writing's on the wall. He has been breaking down. Two years ago, it's the ACL. Last year, it's the quad. It's the torn bicep. You bring him back at that number, Adam, and he misses a lot of time, then you're going to kick yourself. So I think that at this point, if you move him to left guard – and he can't play, well, at least you have experienced guys in, say, Amalu, they like Matt Pryor, whatever. They've got, if they can bring Wisniewski back and he's back at that number, then you can you can live with it. Left tackle, too much of a risk. With a, right, with, with a right-handed quarterback, absolutely. So just a little bit of an update of what I just said. He actually is an option. That 19's an option. They have, right. a, they have until the beginning of the year to roll it over. It's five and a half, is that it? Um, it well, what it will be is... The, the the base salary is five point seven five million. Right. Um, he's got nearly just under three million in proration. I think he's got probably per game roster bonus of two million, a workout bonus. So they can save a decent amount of money. They can. Yeah, it. I I get that he's close to Jeffrey Lurie. People brought that up to me. That, that does shouldn't factor in. You got to re- do what this, the Patriots do. Remove the relationships. Yep. As Jeff was just saying, on pure football, thirty seven years old. Do they have a better option? If not, I bring him back. This will be his last year. He'll retire as an Eagle. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, and you live with it. But I, I, I want to know what my options are. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to see who else is out there in free agency. Well, well this is October, this is January, late January now, so we'll get into as we get closer to free agency. We'll have a free agency show. We're outline every good every left tackle that's out there. Um, the early word for the draft guys is not a bad year for left tackles, depending on what round you're looking for. Some good developmental guys, but. Right. Um, 
you know, if we're voting here, I would probably thumbs down, but just my vote only because of his age. Uh, but I will tell you, his tape was, was good to very good talking to NFL sources. Okay. Well, I'll say thumbs down also, but thumbs maybe getting closer to up if you say he comes back on a revised one-year deal to play left guard. But I don't know how realistic well, left that guard, is. So how are you going to pay him, though? Hey, that's not my job. That's Howie Roseman's. Whatever left guard money is. Give him top left guard money. I, well, not top, but I mean, give him realistic. He was supposed to make... Five point seven five million. The other stuff is more from proration and 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 bonuses. So you want to bring him back on a one year eight million dollar deal, and you can afford that. I would do that. I would do that one year eight million dollars to play left guard. If not, I love you. Thank you. You're a great eagle. You'll be back. We will honor you. But we've got to move on. That's how I've, I and I I like how you phrased it. You got to take the emotion out of it. It's not technically doing it because he did play at a high level, so it's not like he's a, a bad player and you feel attached to him. As Ozzy mentioned, you're right. He played at a high level, but I am looking at the writing on the wall and saying I don't know that I can continue to ask to get 16 weeks of that, and I need 16 weeks of somebody playing left guard or tackle that's going to be good and reliable. That, 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 so, And listen, that, I, don't, I think if you asked 100 people, you might get a whole bunch of different answers or you might get 50-50 on that. So let me – you mentioned Brandon Brooks, though. And that's an important thing. He has the Achilles injury. He hopes to be back before training camp. But I just oh, wanna, yeah, I know. We'll that. see. Yeah. We'll see about that. But yeah. injuries are always big. And I want to remind everybody that in the United States, there's more than 3.8 million sports-related concussions. And that most of these injuries occur in children and young adults. Defend Your Head is leading a revolution in head protection with their soft shell technology product called Protec. Protec's a protective helmet shell made from specialized polyurethane foam that absorbs and dissipates the energy caused by a hit to the Protec cover. Protec acts like an airbag, delaying the time of the impact, just like an airbag delays the time of your body and head from hitting the dashboard when a crash occurs. Protec is scientifically proven to reduce G-force impacts by up to 70%. So for more information about the Protec helmet shell used by Penn State, Temple, and Penn football programs, or to place an order for your Protec, email info at defendyourhead.com or visit defendyourhead.com. As we move forward a little bit and as we do this podcast guys you know we're going to talk about individuals whether it's Brandon Graham whether it's Rodney McLeod we will, we will spend a lot of time in the next few weeks but I really wanted to get through Peters because I thought he was number one and then get your results uh, or your reactions to the Wentz story so right now before we finish up I'm going to go a little fact or fiction before we finish things this out you guys ready you don't seem yes. fired up. Are we ready for fact Let's or fiction? Let's do it. All right, and remember. All right, right go We start with Adam. Fact or fiction, the Eagles will opt into Nick Foles' contract in the seven-day span they have from the end of the Super Bowl. Again, this is not a report. I, if people are going to take my comment. It's just a total guess. I, I haven't even asked yet because they have it two weeks. Mm-hmm. I would say they would opt in. Total guess. Okay. Ozzy? I'm going to say the same. I think they would opt in, too. I get the feeling they're going to opt out. And okay. Again, my only... I, my only, but it's just my, I'm not not talking to anybody. Just a feel that they're not going to opt in. Okay. Why? Why That's so though? I think that they've been using this time already in, in whatever way they can to fi- figure out if they're going to have a because they have to make this decision soon, a week after the Super Bowl. Tenth, so yeah. that means they need to already, already by then know kind of yeah. what their options are, sure. trade or no trade. And I just don't know that they're going to get the answers that they're looking for. And I don't know if they want to get into the. I mean, listen, it's not a risk because Foles could just opt out and it doesn't matter. But I just just, just a weird feeling. Just a weird feeling. Okay. Yeah, we'll see how we'll see how it goes down. There, there are three decisions coming up here. Yeah. Well, actually, it could be only two. It depends on a what the Eagles do. Then, if the kid voids it, and then what they do that if if he's a free agent, do they put the franchise tag on him? There's a lot of things that could happen here. All right, fact or fiction? Start with Ozzy. Running back is the Eagles' biggest need for 2019. Ooh, 
Oh, man, running back. Um, I would say fiction. Okay. What What is their biggest need? I say defensive back. Uh, so corner? Cor- corner or corner. safety? Okay. Adam? Yeah, definitely fiction. Uh, they, do they need a three-down back? Yes, we, we've all agreed on that. Uh, it's not something they need to spend a lot of money on. Their history is that they don't typically don't spend a lot of money on it. Uh, they've done it a couple times where they re-upped McCoy. Brian Westbrook's last deal at the time was enormous. It didn't work out, unfortunately. Brian's knee went south. Remember, he went to the San Francisco and that ended his career. But typically, they don't do that. That's not the philosophy that Howie Roseman grew up under uh, under Joe Banner. All right, I say fact. I do think it's the biggest need. I think the offense took a way bigger step back than the defense. I think the running game had a lot to do with it. I think the, the a better offensive output can help your defense and over and just compensate for the issues that they had. And it's been far too long now with this committee approach and not having a guy that Doug can just put out there for any play that he wants, a three-down running back, to be able to run his offense. I'd like to take the stress away from Doug from that and give him a really nice overall weapon. It'll be hard to find, but I think that it's absolutely yeah, the biggest need. Right. I remember when I said on a couple weeks ago, I said, I just threw it out there. I was like, folks, stop with the running back committee. That That's what they want to do. They don't. I know. I think you actually wrote about this. Mm-hmm. Um, no coach ever wants to go and says, you know, let's have a running back committee. They do it out of necessity, folks. Right. Right. He so wants the, a running back. He right. needs a three down. He does. Back. All right. Last one. Fact or fiction. Brandon Graham will be an eagle in 2019. Boy. What do you uh, think? What you do you guys. think? Well, I always give mine. But you want why? me to start off? Yeah. Why don't yeah, you, you start, start off? off? Why don't you be the leadoff hitter? As we, as we, I actually think it is he will be an eagle in 2019. I think that's fact. I think he's, even though I'm writing and saying I handicap it that he's going to leave, I get this feeling that he's going to be back because there's really not a ton of 4-3 teams anymore, although the Chiefs just became one, and we'll talk about that maybe down the road, and that, that becomes an option now. But I have a feeling he's going to get good offers from bad teams and a decent offer from the Eagles and weigh that and decide to come I back. I mean, it, it, yeah, so if, if he walks, you're, if they decide to bring back Michael Bennett, 33 years old, Chris Long, 33, 34 years old, yeah. Barnett coming off a ser- very serious injury. You don't have, I mean, they don't know anything about Josh Sweat yet, who, by the way, also had, a, had an injury at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they have much choice. He's one of their leaders. We know that. Uh, it's been a great story of development. Uh, despite all the people said JPP would be better than he, it certainly looked like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he what, had a good year, too. He had 12 and a half sacks. Sure, he did. He did. He, over his career, he's been a little bit of a better player. It's right. pretty close, by the way. And also, Brandon Graham's a Super Bowl winner. He is. With the most iconic defensive play in the yes. you know, franchise history. Yep. I have a feeling that they will be able to meet in the middle. And come up with a contract that may not be average per year, what Brandon's looking for, but maybe funnel some more money in the first two years from a guaranteed standpoint to hook him up. So I think it is. I think he'll be. It's fact that he'll be an eagle, Ozzy. Wait, did you say fact or fiction? You sounds like fact. you said yeah, fact. Yeah, I, okay. I think he will. I, I I do I do believe so. I think we talked about this before. Um, I, I for all those reasons, yes, I believe fact. I I, I is that our last one? Yeah, unless you want to. Can throw I throw one out there? Yeah, guys? Sure, I'm just thinking about this one. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have I, I have fact or fiction, guys. Just wanted to thought about this. Right. Would the Eagles consider adding a fullback to their roster? Fiction. Fiction. Now I will tell you. Okay. I will Doug tell you. one at one point when he first yeah when he coach. first took the job. I'm told that it was a discussion amongst the coaches. That's and a great question, by the way. Doug, but the, even the West Coast teams, 
even the West Coast teams that used to use them don't use them very much. But we've got James Devlin. Andy uses from one. here. Andy still yep. uses and, one. And the uh, Patriots use yeah. them. The Patriots yeah. use yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. And, and they do. It just seems like they. they it just like gives you, you an added one. dimension. You want one because you want to remember what football was like. Well, I think years it helps ago. you in the. I, I think you can you can put a guy out there that can help you in the short yardage situation, uh-huh. especially if you're you know not that type of a team. You can help. It'll help you on special teams. It just gives. I think this gives you an added dimension that you don't have, and because teams don't do it. I think it'll give you an advantage because they're not used to defending that's, a that's fullback a, a out there. That's a great point. Um, you know, they had Josh Adams this year. He was their power back, and he was 0 for 7 on 3rd and 1 and 4th and 1 runs. So maybe there's right? an argument to be Jeez. made about having yeah. an extra little blocker mm. in there, you know? And, you know, if it means your third tight end, Josh Perkins, doesn't come back, I think that maybe there's some merit to that. That's a good one. All right. Good and one. Now, are we going to be doing something as we get closer to the draft? Because I want to just say something before. Like, I had some things as we went into the drafts, like I like Trubisky, and I had some people that I looked at. Okay. I have somebody that I think could potentially help the Eagles as we go forward. Running back. The the, the draft. Oh, is, I think you mentioned this guy. So, yeah. so where's this guy go to? This, uh, this guy. This guy could potentially be a. Uh, you could probably State, get him a, 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 late, a later round. So I just thought right. about it. All right. Well, why don't we? I mean, we'll, we'll, save it, we'll yeah. do okay. uh, the combines in two weeks, and, and we do this every week. Yep. So clearly, we'll be talking college personnel and Perfect. the Eagles. So, all right. So that was a great teaser you just got there from Ozzy on a great Eagle potential Eagle who we won't name for at least a few weeks. All right. We want to thank all our <laughs> listeners, Billy Osborne, Adam Kaplan, Jeff Mosher. Thanks to Go Birds and WIP and everybody involved. We'll check you again next week.